you like to know how to make better decisions for your business, your people, or yourself? Do you want to recognize when you make errors of judgment that cause the quality of your decisions to drop, and when you are moving away from, not closer to, your goal? Welcome to Because There's More with Laura Ellis. For the next hour, Laura and her guests will share experiences and insights that will challenge and stretch your thinking, help you recognize your biases, and ultimately guide you towards more predictable and accurate decisions. You'll walk away from this show feeling better informed, more inspired, and a lot more confident about your next big decision. Now, here's your host, Laura Ellis. Hello, I'm Laura Ellis, and this is Because There's More, the show that takes a closer look at decision-making. Thank you for joining me today for another great show. I'm extremely excited today because... Uh, starting from today and for the next month and who knows, maybe for May as well, I will be running a series of shows featuring Toronto business people. I, I live in Toronto and I have come to realize that there are many talented professionals who make my city a better place because their standards elevate the entire uh, industry. So my guest today, Rod Ellis, is a seasoned professional with an impressive career and track record in television. Welcome to the show, Rod. Well, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to the next hour. It's great to have you here. Mm. I um, I want to, just before we, we go on, I just want to provide a high-level outline of your career so we can talk around it. Well, I'll be interested uh, to hear about my career, so uh, let's have it. <laughs> so, uh, you have built, as I said, an impressive career working as the news editor for Canada's most watched news show uh, on CTV News. And it all started, um, your career started in 1971 when you began studying film history and production at York University in Toronto. In order to pursue your dream of finding employment in the film industry, you bartended for a while, um, for a year probably, before securing your first professional job in TV in 1976. Then you moved on to a production company where you worked between 1979 and 1986, working as a technical producer for commercials, music specials and sports events. And... uh, after that, uh, you must have liked the work because you decided to run your own production company, creating corporate videos. And I'm looking forward to find out from you what was it like then compared to the corporate videos that uh, people do today, especially on YouTube channel. Then in 1988, uh, you began working for Canada's largest private TV network as the news uh, division sound recordist and ENG editor. And then in 2015, which was last year, you decided to take early uh, retirement and are now firing up to start a new stage in your professional life and define the next best thing to you, because the best is yet to come. So I noticed at some point you wanted to say something. Well, no, you were talking about um, what the production was like when I had my own little uh, production facility. It was a very small operation in Toronto, and um, we were were only around for a couple of years uh, trying to 
uh, working in the uh, the uh, corporate video side. Uh, things were a lot different back then. Uh, the level of sophistication that we enjoy today didn't exist back then. Uh, the, certainly the cameras weren't as good. The edit systems weren't as good. And um, by comparison, uh, it's over 20 years now, of course, but... Um, uh, the product has uh, improved vastly. There, there is no comparison. And uh, uh, as a little sidebar, that business lasted just about two years before we went completely bankrupt. And I found myself on the street thinking, well, here I go again, uh, another phase of reinvention in my life. But, um, yeah, uh, very different from uh, even uh, some of the more uh, simple things you see on YouTube today. Uh, yeah. As I said, the level of sophistication now is, uh, is just fantastic. And we'll talk more uh, later on mm. about the content uh, as well, because, um, you know, there's an interesting point to, to make uh, in about the content. But let's go back to how it all started. So you, you began by studying film uh, in university. What attracted you to that area? And just one point to make, you know, you mentioned earlier another stage of reinventing. In fact, the whole show today is is about uh, career choices that you made and people make every day. And uh, what I like in particular about your angle is the fact that while you may have wanted to do one thing, uh, you settled for the next best thing, which in hindsight turned out probably to be the real best thing. So let's go back to university. What attracted you to Bill? Well, okay, uh, but, but some things are, uh, are, uh, um, aren't really a choice. They're forced on you by the reality of the situation. So, uh, so I'll back it up. Uh, what interested me in the first place about film, uh, when I was a young boy, I picked up a, a wind-up 8mm movie camera that my dad had lying around the house. He uh, back hate to give away my age, but back in the 50s, my dad was uh, 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 loved taking photographs. He had a, a variety of still cameras, and he had this uh, Keystone 8mm wind-up camera, and he would shoot uh, us in the backyard or on the street or playing baseball or any number of things, and he would shoot hours and hours of uh, film. And um, those reels still exist today in a shoebox somewhere in a closet. So um, I guess I was around 11 years old and I picked up this camera and I got a roll of film and I just started taking shots in the neighborhood and back then excuse me back then you would have to uh, take your reel of film put it in a mailing pouch and send it off to the Canadian Kodak company and it took about two weeks to get your four minutes of film back and it was such an exciting time it was like uh, it was like Christmas uh, coming, uh, waiting for this uh, roll of film to come back, the first I'd ever shot. And I looked at it, and from that point forward, I was absolutely mesmerized by the moving image in terms of what I could possibly do with it. And uh, it became something that uh, became a hobby, and the hobby became a passion, and I followed that all the way through uh, middle school and high school. And it, it didn't really take me long uh, when I first got into high school to realize that that was something I wanted to do for a living, and uh, I channeled myself in that direction. And fortunately for me at the time, uh, York University here in Toronto had a very good uh, fine arts uh, program, and uh, in that fine arts uh, was a, uh, a film program, and uh, I uh, was fortunate enough to be accepted, and I studied there for uh, three years before I left the university. 
fascinating. I uh, I was listening to you saying that uh, you had to send away the film and it will take two weeks for it to mm -hmm. come back. Can yeah. you imagine that happening today? I mean, well, telling someone... people it, short attention spans today. Uh, I, yeah. can't, uh, I, I can't even imagine, but I, I can tell you when I look back, I think that was part of the process that made it so special, waiting for the magic to come back. Uh, there was no uh, such thing as instant gratification. There were no do-overs. You had your four minutes of film in that camera, and you couldn't erase it like you can today. Start again until you get it uh, uh, where you like it or uh, as good as you think it can be. So you had to be very careful how you used your four minutes and the, uh, the, the time that uh, went into shooting it and then waiting for it to come back. It could honestly be three weeks before you saw any results. So patience became a virtue. Uh, taking care in what you did became a real virtue. And it, as I said, it's very different today. Uh, you don't have the same kind of restrictions on you that you did. And I don't know. I think that um, if I compare uh, the, the, the two different eras today and then when I first started shooting 8mm uh, film, I would say that uh, it made you, uh, it, it brought a more critical view to your eye and it made you uh, far more careful, very selective, because you had to be. Thank you for um, um, saying all that, because I was just uh, planning to, to ask some of those questions, like how are you, how do you believe that influenced your uh, um, your skill, uh, your um, attention, your decisions, the decisions you made. You well, know. part of it was you couldn't, or, or I mean, you, you could certainly be spontaneous when you were walking around uh, with a camera that you had to wind up, but there were two factors. One was uh, you only had uh, per roll, I mean, mind you, you could have several rolls, but if we're talking about one roll of film, you only had four minutes of shooting time. So you would parse that out and, you know, you would shoot a few seconds at a time. But if you wanted to do a long, continuous shot, there was a problem back then. Uh, the camera, the camera that I used wasn't battery operated. It was literally a, it was a wind up mechanism. So if you shot for any great length of time, the motor would wind down and it would stop until you wound it back up again. So you had to be cognizant of both those things, the mechanics of the camera, the limitations that it uh, presented, and uh, the amount of film. So you, um, yes, uh, uh, you were careful, you planned things out more, you thought about it before you actually committed it to film. So that, that would be the big difference, whereas today you can afford to uh, 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 shoot uh, a lot and select later and get rid of uh, the stuff that you don't want, or as I said, uh, uh, you can redo it and... Uh, 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 create an image that uh, you're finally happy with uh, uh, after many attempts. So big, big difference. Uh, I, in, in fact, really no comparison to uh, when I was uh, a young boy. Yeah, and, and uh, it's very interesting how you're describing the differences because from my perspective, it seems like the, the biggest difference was um, the preparation took... Uh, central stage uh, whereas today there's less preparation because you have that as you said ability to change things over and I think it's very you know I, I work my clients are mostly in business in larger corporations I think it's very reflective of how people make decisions today um, we are better at making decisions in the short term because it is the reality we we live in and and less so 
uh, able to see in the future. But I think the world that we live in, it's making us uh, a lot more short-term focused than, than ever before. So it's interesting to see that even happening in an industry that I don't necessarily know a lot about, which is why I talk to people from all the industries in different capacities, uh, their path to decision-making is just as useful to um, people from other industries. Very interesting. Did you ever work in film? I know that you spend most of your career in television, but did you um, end up working? I worked in film as a hobbyist. I uh, studied it, as I said, in university. And when I got out, uh, freshly minted, on the street looking for my first job, Back then, uh, the film industry was not in uh, terrific shape in Canada. There wasn't a lot going on. Uh, uh, a feature film being made in this country was really quite a rarity back in the uh, in the seventies. Uh, uh, it took a lot of uh, government assistance. We had a uh, and still do have a national broadcaster, the CBC. Uh, they were producing things for television, but nothing for cinematic release. So I looked around and I found this little film production company and I hired on as a, um, basically a grip on a documentary they were doing on a, um, on a, uh, uh, a metal forging plant in Toronto that was uh, polluting the, uh, the environment. It was poisoning the ground with heavy metals. There were a lot of pollutants being released in the air, and they'd been uh, unregulated for a very long time. These, were, these guys were doing a, uh, it was a company back then, long gone, Westminster Films. Uh, they were uh, doing an inside look as to oh, what was happening, what was happening to the workers in the uh, harsh environment they were working in. It was quite an in-depth thing. So I hired on as a, uh, as I said, as a grip. I worked for two days in uh, terrible conditions because we actually got inside this foundry, and uh, the work for me ended after a couple of days. And I remember thinking, this is no fun at all. Uh, uh, everyone expects, and I didn't mind starting at the bottom. I wanted to learn everything about the film industry. But uh, I had no idea where my next job was going to come from. And I tried, and I tried, and I tried, and nothing was happening for me. Uh, so I ended up uh, bartending to uh, make a living. I was doing some of that to put myself through school anyway, to pay for my tuition. So I fell back on that, and uh, 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 for the longest time, couldn't get any work. Couldn't. Uh, there was no... Uh, there was no break in into film for me and uh, that went on for over a year and uh, while I was doing that the bartending I uh, I thought well I did a couple of TV labs in university and there's certainly a lot of television in Canada uh, so I thought well you know I, I need to get my skill set up so I approached a uh, uh, the local cable companies the the, uh, the cable TV companies in Toronto because they had uh, community access programs. And uh, nothing happened on that front for me at all. And I ended up in a little town north of Toronto, uh, uh, about a 45-minute drive away, and they had their own cable system that served this small town. And I talked the owners into giving me airtime once a week. Uh, so I created a little talk show and put together a, a group of volunteers, and we went up... Uh, faithfully every Saturday, taped a, a one-hour talk show, which aired multiple times through the week, and we did that for about a year. 
And uh, I decided at that point that I was going to abandon film completely, my pursuit of film, because I really, really liked television. I liked the immediacy, and I, I, I liked the fact that uh, my work went out on a broadcast, and it could be accessed by all kinds of people, and uh, that intrigued me. And uh, I did that for a year, and, uh, and that finally... Um, um, gave me enough experience where I could apply to a commercial TV station, and I did that uh, a year after doing my cable work. That's ah. how I got into television. Uh, it was I, a, I, quite a long road. I can't wait to hear more about uh, uh, your little show on uh, that uh, you produced. Uh, I'm sure it was fascinating. We have about two minutes or less to the to the break, so. Uh, Uh, just before that, and, and, and very quickly, uh, what would you say that the biggest differences were between what you had expected and what you came across in your job now in television? Uh, expected when? and uh, Expected by, by uh, starting a career in film and television. And probably this is a bigger question for um, uh, to be continued after the break. But um, were you... You said you loved television. Were you um, still in love with film? And did you feel that you made a mistake? Or how did it feel immediately when you already, uh, you were at the beginning, but you already had to look in a different direction than what uh, uh, you had planned for? Um, the television was so exciting, and there was so much to learn, and it was moving so quickly, and it was uh, still, uh, although, uh, I mean, this was still the middle 70s, it was, uh, uh, it had uh, experienced some technological uh, advances, uh, but uh, what was coming, none of us could have anticipated Uh, the uh, the the uh, the technology just exploded. It was very exciting to, to to do it. There was no time to reflect, or, or I didn't make any time to reflect on uh, the film side of things. But uh, like a lot of things, in retrospect, I guess I wish I'd had more patience. I wish I'd stuck it out longer. Uh, I, I still love film today, but uh, again, simply as a hobbyist and um, um, studying film. Uh, feature films and um, just enjoying them and uh, I, I love the fact that we have so much access in our lives now to uh, a huge and endless library of uh, films of all types but um, um, yeah some regret that I didn't stick it out but uh, uh, no regret that I got into television as an alternate it, uh, it's been fantastic and uh, it, it continues to be fantastic I love it So let's talk more about it after the sure. break. We'll just be away for a couple of minutes and we'll be back to talk more about your career. Wonderful, thank you. And I'm here with Rod Ellis, who has built an impressive career in television, who was just telling us before our break that his first uh, job in television was uh, working as a or real job in television, was working uh, as the producer of a, of a show that he uh, pitched on a local cable company. So, Rod, tell us more about the, the show that you produced. How did that come about? Well, uh, as I was saying, I, I decided that I needed more experience in television, and uh, I knew that uh, there was uh, community access made available by the various uh, cable suppliers uh, uh, in and around Toronto. And I tried them all and uh, couldn't get any studio time. So I started going far afield, and there was a little town north of Toronto, about 45 minutes away, uh, a, a little place called Aurora. 
And uh, in the middle of the town, uh, on the main street, was uh, a small company that, that provided cable for that community, Aurora Cable. So I called them, asked for an appointment with the owner, went in and told them that I wanted community access. Uh, I, I needed their studio, their camera equipment, everything, and I wanted to produce a talk show. Uh, I, uh, they agreed to see me again. I came back with an outline. They thought it was okay. They had some time they wanted to fill, so I put together a group of volunteers, and up we went one Saturday morning. Our, our, our taping days were Saturdays. Uh, I was bartending then at the time, so uh, I would finish work very late at night on a Friday, uh, put my group together on a Saturday morning, and we would go and tape all day, and then I would go to work Saturday night, and this went on for a year. So we went up, and uh, we had an idea where we would just do uh, a general talk show, general interest, bring people on uh, from various careers. And my first guest was a friend of mine who at the time was a chiropractor. And we produced one hour of the worst television anyone can possibly imagine. When we'd finally assembled it, uh, it was my first go at producing something. Uh, we looked at it. We played the tape back, and it was just stone silence. Everyone in the room just thought, uh, uh, this was myself and my crew, thought it was just dreadful. And uh, talk about reinvention. So we delivered the show to the cable people. They aired it every day for a week uh, in its time slot. And uh, uh, before we went up the following week, I sat down and thought, well, uh, we have to do something. Uh, this is not the kind of stuff I want to do. This is not the show I want to do. And um, I got together with a friend of mine and my brother, and the three of us sat down. And uh, at the time, there was a show on um, up here, the equivalent of PBS in the States. Uh, every province in Canada has its own educational authority, a public TV channel. And uh, in Toronto, it was a, um, uh, an outlet uh, called... Uh, TV Ontario. It's called TV Ontario today. Back then it was known as OECA. But they ran a show late on Friday night, and there was a chap that, was, um, that hosted this very experimental media show. His name was Reiner Schwartz. Uh, he died last year, but the guy was a very revolutionary, he was a very avant-garde thinker. And he would, uh, in his hour, late on Friday, uh, he would uh, play experimental videos, experimental films, he would play very avant-garde music. He would read uh, completely off-the-wall poetry. He sat in a dark studio surrounded by candles. Uh, long before there was a Venus flytrap on WKRP, he would sit there and burn incense and uh, hit gongs. And we thought this guy was everything we wanted to be. So we channeled him and we tried to emulate that very thing on our little cable show. And oddly, uh, we didn't come close, but uh, we came close enough where there was a terrific interest, and the show became a kind of a local sensation for about a year. And it was fantastic. And uh, toward the end of that year, I knew that I had to move on, and that's when I started applying to television stations with my limited now experience and got my first actual paying broadcast job, and that was in the middle of 1976. And that just launched me on my professional career. And I, I think I owe it a lot of that to that one year and a bit that I spent um, working in cable TV. It was fantastic because you had to learn 
lighting and sound and directing and producing and writing and it the list was endless so it was a fantastic uh uh lab for my creativity and uh my launching pad yeah fascinating and and are uh, you still I'm there all... laura i mean i know yes. the stories are long but uh <laughs> it's been a long career i can tell you sometimes yeah. dreary sometimes exciting well, I'm sure I'm looking forward to talking, uh, to continue to talk to you about uh, some exciting things because I, I don't think uh, it's, um, uh, you know, I mean, every single thing that you have done has been an achievement. Television is not a, an area that one finds uh, jobs easily in. So uh, it's even more competitive today. There's fewer jobs uh, on staff. So people are mostly freelance. So I think uh, it's absolutely fascinating. But what also fascinates me, and this happens every single time I, I do the show, is um, the apparent uh, similarities between any job and, uh, uh, you know, the, the kind of the models or the or the frameworks that repeat themselves throughout jobs that seem um, so distant and so unrelated. So your description of uh, learning so much because you had to do the lighting, the sound, the you know, production, everything involved, the filming, it's so similar to uh, what's happening in, in management, or let's put it this way, what is lacking from management. Uh, a lot of the time, um, people who manage businesses come from a particular field, from a particular specialty. And uh, I just uh, created uh, very recently a, uh, a YouTube video for my channel on, on the brain and the fact that you know, we don't leverage the power of our brain in, in uh, everyday jobs because we specialize, yet uh, the brain can actually uh, or actually does work with information from different sources uh, the same way. It just brings it all together and makes the, the best decision or the best solution incorporating everything um, into that solution. So the more the more uh, insight you have into adjacent or even non-related field, the better your decision-making is, the stronger your skills. So is no different to any jobs or any role out there. And the fact that you're emphasizing or uh, underline the importance of learning all those different aspects is uh, fascinating and, and reassuring. Let's move on to what has been the most part of your uh, career working for, uh, as you said, the largest uh, private network, uh, Canadian television. After my production company failed, uh, there I was again. I, uh, I was bankrupt. Uh, the, the company was gone, and uh, I decided that I'm going to have to uh, start uh, creating an income quickly, so I decided to freelance. And one of the things that I enjoyed when I had my own show all those years ago was working in sound. I uh, enjoyed that thoroughly. So uh, I started hiring on as a freelance sound man, working on uh, commercials and uh, uh, various uh, 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 television shows, uh, doing field sound, where I would go out with a camera crew and um, work as a recordist. 
And uh, I was doing that for about six months. And one day I had a call from um, the CTV uh, television network. A friend of mine had uh, working there as a cameraman for a long time. He gave them my name. They, they were looking for a freelancer uh, with my skill. And I went in one day and I started working freelance for them. And uh, one day turned into three, turned into five turned into uh, uh, week-long bookings, uh, turned into month-long bookings. And uh, this had been going on for several months, and they called me in one day and said, listen, you're here so much, we'd like to offer you a staff job. Uh, and I liked the idea of a staff job. I, I was looking for some security after some of the ups and downs I'd experienced. So I, I took that uh, in the latter stages of 1988. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, stayed with that company. It was a very exciting time. Um, there was a lot of travel involved uh, working for the National News. I, uh, I uh, was able to travel uh, a lot of the world and uh, all throughout Canada as part of the job. And um, it was a dual role. I had to be a uh, work as a field sound man, a studio sound man, and I had to uh, edit stories. Uh, news and information items that would run on the national news, and uh, that's where my editing background came into play. And uh, I, I really honed my uh, experience as an editor. And in the latter stages of my time there, where about 60% of my work was sound and 40% was editing, toward the last five years, I would say about 90% of what I did was editing and uh, very little emphasis uh, on the sound side. And I know that uh, um, throughout the the jobs or the work that you did as a sound person, you uh, came across and, and met um, a lot of celebrities. So, um, do you what what would you be the three most like celebs that uh, you worked with, and what was the reason for it? And I'm saying three because I know you met a lot of people. Uh, I met a lot, uh, and part of that, uh, and and very little of uh, celebrity contact was through the news, uh, because the network also had a uh, morning show. Uh, the equivalent in the states would be uh, the Today Show or Good Morning America. Uh, I also worked on a morning show in Canada, a uh, national morning show called uh, Canada AM. And, of course, uh, like all morning shows, they had a very robust entertainment segment. So we would often be dispatched uh, to do uh, celebrity interviews uh, that would run on the morning show. So I would encounter uh, all manner of people. Uh, the three, uh, my most memorable, the, the three best interviews, is that what you're asking? Yes, yes. Well, I would say the, the, the three best that uh, I was ever involved with uh, uh, was the time that uh, I met... Um, um, Tony Bennett, um, uh, Ringo Starr was another uh, good one, and uh, Jane Fonda, and uh, um, they were good. What was not, memorable not just because about of the those content? Not just because of the content. They were good because the people, the, these individuals, they were uh, uh, very personable, very easy to work with. Uh, they would uh, a chat with the crew, which was very unusual. You'd get a lot of people coming in that ignored us, uh, really wouldn't pay us the time of day. Uh, they had a job to do. They came in, they did their interview, and they got out. But uh, those three, very memorable, because they took the time to stop and chat and uh, enjoyed meeting them thoroughly. Uh, I, I believe that um, um, Jane Fonda, you met, we talked before the show, you met Jane Fonda when she was promoting her book, and in yes. fact, after the interview, she sent you a copy of the book. 
that well, correct? And she sent each crew member a copy of her book through her publicity department. And, uh, I, you know, I, again, that just uh, shows you the level of, uh, uh, of uh, how nice of, uh, she is as an individual. Uh, fantastic. And, and Tony Bennett, I know that he is your Oh, my God, when he walked favorite. in the room, he walked in, walked up to each of us, shook our hand and said, Hi, I'm Tony. What's your name? What do you do? And uh, he did that to, to every member of the crew. And uh, this is something that the celebrities just don't do. And uh, as I said, he took the time to uh, uh, introduce himself to us. It was fantastic. It was quite a moment. I, uh, and I, uh, I, I, I always admired his music. I liked the, uh, him as an entertainer. And then, you know, there's a saying, uh, don't meet your heroes. You'll always be disappointed. Well, it's not that he was a hero, but I really did like the guy a lot, and I was not disappointed in the least. He was charming and wonderful and warm and uh, unforgettable. He's fantastic. And, and he does seem to be an amazing human being just from the documentaries I watched. I know that yeah. he was... He, he was also uh, the hero of uh, Amy Winehouse, and uh, um, he very kindly uh, sang with her and praised her a lot before and after her passing. Um, how about Ringo Starr? What about well, him? Mate? He, just funny and full of life and, uh, again, personable, and uh, it just made you laugh, and it was, it was just wonderful to be around the guy. It was... Uh, uh, he's a remarkable character, and uh, you could just feel this wonderful life energy coming off him, and it was a, a real pleasure to meet him. So I, I guess I would, I mean, there's been lots of others, but yeah, I, I would, uh, I'm comfortable uh, using them as my top three examples of some celebrities that I've met that, uh, that have a lot of stature and uh, were really uh, very wonderful to work with. Uh, we only have about a minute and a half to the break, but... Just a curiosity, I know that uh, when you are um, uh, on the job, you're probably not uh, allowed to, uh, you know, ask uh, your guests for, for pictures, for, but I know that sometimes it, it happens. When it happens, how do they come about? And what are your most, uh, uh, you know, most, your favorite pictures or, or moments that you have? And we only have a minute and a half, but we'll come back after the break. So do you want to hear about that now, or are you going to break yes, now? Yes, just, just tell me quickly, when... All right, uh, you, uh, it's absolutely forbidden to ask celebrities for pictures, but sometimes someone gets very enthusiastic and does it anyway. And uh, the, the worst thing that occurred to me was about three years ago, Pete Townsend was in town. He was uh, reviving uh, his stage play of Tommy. Uh, I'd met him several times. Great guy. Loved him. Uh, I couldn't control myself. At the end of the interview, I said, Pete, how about a photo with the, uh, the host uh, that was doing the interview? And we'd arrange this in advance, uh, the host and I. I was going to take a picture of him and Pete Townsend from The Who, and then I was going to hand my camera over and get the same in return. Pete graciously stood up, no problem, put his arm around the host. I take the picture. I'm about to hand my camera off to the host so I can get my celebrity photo, my moment in the sun. The host completely forgot the plan, shook Pete Townsend's hand and said, thanks a lot for the picture and the interview, Pete. Bye. Pete turned around and walked out the room, left me standing there, and I looked at the host and he went, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. So uh, that's my near celebrity photo. And, uh, yes, and uh, there's a reason that uh, you don't do it. Uh, uh, they're harassed enough by the fans, and when you have that kind of access, they expect to be treated the way they treat you, like a professional. So, uh, But, um, 
yes, I couldn't contain myself in that particular instance and uh, and ended up with no photo of myself and Pete Townsend. So, oh, uh, too bad. Yeah, I know that regrets. you had another similar experience. Uh, we talked about that. Uh, was it um, Keith Richards or... Uh, Ringo Starr, I cannot... Oh, what? Uh, uh, is this when you were pre-interviewing me when I uh, my camera ran out of batteries? Indeed. Yes. yes. I'm about to get my picture with Ringo Starr <laughs> and my camera ran out of batteries and he looked at me and said, that's hard luck uh, and uh, um, better luck next time and off he went because he had to do another interview. So, um, yeah. A Too couple bad. of near misses, yeah. Very, uh, so uh, yes, very unfortunate for me. We'll come back after the break and we we'll talk about the people who are not so nice or, uh, that you have met. And, of course, without going into a lot oh of my, details. Oh, take the next half hour. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we'll go to a break and we'll be back soon. You are tuned into Because There's More with host Laura Ellis. To connect with our program today, please send Laura an email to lellis at trustedadvisoryboard.com. Now, back to Because There's More. Hello, I'm Laura Ellis, and this is Because There's More, the show that takes a closer look at decision-making. I am here with Rod Ellis today, who's been uh, working in television for a long time now and uh, has uh, agreed to share with us some of the stories that are really a reflection of decisions made uh, at the time that have advanced um, uh, his knowledge of other people, of how to work in a team, of how to become a better editor and sound recorder. So, Rod, just before the break, we're talking about your most uh, memorable interviews and the people you like the most. And it wouldn't be fair if we didn't mention what were your least favorable least <laughs> the other side of the same coin. Yeah. well uh okay i'm not going to go into any details but i certainly will go into names the absolute three worst that stand out for uh very different reasons uh the actor woody harrelson uh uh most people will be familiar with him from his role on cheers uh and uh of course lately from uh, the hunger games movies I, I i won't go into into any details just Probably the most terrible experience with a celebrity. Uh, 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 on the heels of that, as he was known back then, P. Diddy, Sean Combs, just a nightmare to deal with. And uh, uh, let's throw one woman in the mix, uh, the late uh, actress, uh, screen legend Lauren Bacall. I've never worked or been around a more difficult individual in my life. Uh, it was uh, pulling teeth. Uh, working with her, and uh, broadly, I'll say it was pulling teeth working with the three of them, uh, uh, getting what we needed for our entertainment segment. So uh, I won't go any further, but uh, they're the three worst, and uh, will always remain the three worst in uh, my personal experience. So it was, uh, uh, yeah. Let's let's just stop there before I go on. <laughs> So um, I know that, uh, again, in the pre-interview, we talked about this. Um, you, you also worked with uh, uh, Donald Trump. Um, what was that experience like? <laughs> yeah, yeah, see, now you caught me. 
you, you've caught me by surprise because I, I didn't think you didn't we agree that I, I didn't want to mention him. It was not good. It was uh, it was uh, he's uh, he's a he's a very very difficult guy, and he was very difficult with us, and uh, that was uh, an unpleasant experience. Yeah, he. Uh, he uh, uh, berated us uh, in the hotel room that we were setting up for his interview, and uh, he gave us a pretty bad time. But I would like to say, though, uh, uh, in the name of Trump, uh, I had occasion to work with uh, Ivanka about four or five years ago. She'd come up to Toronto. She was uh, um, <clears throat> talking about the project that the Trump Corporation uh, was working on at the time. They were building uh, the uh, the Trump Tower here in Toronto. And uh, uh, she uh, couldn't be more different from her father. She was uh, delightful and friendly and agreeable, and I could go on forever. So it's hard to believe that, uh, that uh, she and Donald Trump are father and daughter, but um, uh, I won't say any more about him, and uh, I could go on forever about her. Uh, terrific person, and uh, uh, maybe someday she'll run for president uh, of the United States. Uh, probably a better choice. So um, let's talk because time is flying and it, it always happens the same on my I show. I hope you're you know? what you want. I don't know. I, I almost feel like this is a, a, a stroll down memory lane um, more than decision-making for your uh, listeners, but I, I hope you're getting what you need. Uh, well, if you want me, I can actually summarize some of the most uh, 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 salient points uh, to decision-making that you have shared because... One of them, as I said, you know, in, in how we create skill and skill development, uh, the relevance of many different input uh, is, uh, is a very high item on the list. So you already talked about. So for people who make decisions in business, uh, they could leverage your uh, the information shared to know that you are better at what you do. You're better decision-making if you use uh very varied uh, and relevant input. Secondly, and what's also very interesting, and that was the theme of our discussion, is that um, it has been shown that in how we uh, remember uh, our experiences tend to be different than how they were when we were actually in them. So our remembering self and our experiencing self uh, are two different people, if you wish, because the memories uh, bring a complete different uh, uh, flavor to uh, our experiences. So it's interesting to me when I talk to people about uh, their experiences that um, they find it hard to uh, put themselves in that situation but what instead they do they reflect uh, they reflect over the situation with a filter of uh, uh, nostalgia sometimes memories are worse than how they actually felt and sometimes they're better than they actually felt but rarely if ever they are a, um, a clear uh, representation of what the experience uh, was like so it's no different here and uh, how uh, it, it came about the topic is that more than once you said to me that it's about what was the next best thing. Yet listening to your stories, it sounds to me that you could have probably had a less uh, interesting and uh, exciting career working in film 
simply because of how the film industry was here in Canada, then you actually had working in uh, television, which was, uh, in fact, your second choice. Uh, so yes, everything you say is very relevant to decision-making. It's up to people, though, to make those connections between their world and, and what uh, you have experienced. But I want to come back, because we don't have uh, long till the end of the segment. Of, well, you'll, uh, have, to what, you'll have to have me on again. Yeah, I can, totally, I'll talk absolutely. about part two of my career. Okay, uh, and and that's exactly where I want to start now. Um, uh. I know that uh, recently you uh, uh, chose to um, take early retirement, and tell me and tell us more. Was there a point when you thought, you know, retirement is going to be just staying at home and watching television because I love doing that? Or uh, did you know from the beginning you want to do uh, more? But where are you uh, about that today? And how did retirement come? Well, okay. Where I am today is this. Uh, After uh, a number of years, uh, as I said, my field work uh, started to diminish. I was spending more and more time in an edit suite. Uh, that uh, is a, uh, an entirely different discipline. You are working in concert uh, and in parallel with a lot of people simultaneously, but it uh, 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 is a very uh, solitary uh, position in television. Uh, um, and it started to weigh on me. And I realized that I'd come to a point where I was on my own treadmill. I was doing the same kind of work day in and day out. Uh, the challenges were, were not any, uh, uh, hadn't decreased in any way because we were always uh, uh, fighting against time and the clock and making deadlines. So the pressure was always there, but the type of work uh, started to repeat itself over and over and over. It was like watching a, a cartoon in the 60s. At one point, uh, the Flintstones would walk by the same cartoon cactus five times in a scene, and uh, that's how I started feeling. I've seen this before. It's this time of year. This event is happening. This conference is happening. We're covering this again. We're doing that again. And I was doing the same thing the same way over and over, and I thought... I think it's time to push away from the table and try something else. So I never thought of it as retirement, although that was the label that was put on it, and simply because of the amount of time I'd spent there and my age. So it was just assumed that this was a retirement. And uh, I guess for five minutes I thought of it as a retirement, but uh, it didn't take me long before I put my own edit system in my house. I've got a, a very sophisticated digital editing system going, and I've done a couple of small corporate videos, Uh, three. One was a bit of a trial balloon. It was a bit of a dud. I wasn't happy with it, but the the other two that I've uh, worked on have uh, uh, been uh, really uh, excellent and uh, have stretched me in ways that I haven't been stretched in a long time. So uh, I'm, this is the last phase. So uh, am I going to sit around and watch television? There is that component. (laughs) Am I going to indulge myself? There is that component too. But uh, I realize that I'm missing the work and I don't want to stop. So um, hence the system and the aggravation that comes along with uh, uh, keeping a sophisticated computer running at peak performance and uh, trying to find clients right now. So that's where I am. I don't know if it was a good or a bad decision, but I'm living the decision and uh, moving forward. Yeah, and, uh, you know, 
uh, one of the things that I say about decision making is that a decision is just one of the many choices that get you closer to the outcome you desire. In the end, even after you make your decision, you can't uh, control the outcome because other factors are involved. But tell me just, we have like three minutes to close. Um, what are you um, excited the most about for what's ahead? For what's ahead? Uh, yeah. uh, I have an idea in my mind yeah. that I may be able to now complete my circle. I had a thought recently that I would like to find uh, some small independent producers that are working on a film or a, uh, a documentary, and I would uh, like to get involved at the level where uh, I work as the editor on a project like that, and that, I think, would complete my career cycle because film is the very thing that I, I wanted to start with, moved away from it, and over 40 years later, I, I'm thinking uh, that I may try to come back to it uh, through the back door uh, with, a, uh, uh, as I said, the system that I've put in and uh, try to do something for the, for the bigger screen or work on a film festival entry rather than something just for television or just for the Internet. So it's funny uh, the, the, uh, the uh, path you can take in life and inadvertently bump into the very thing that you started with all those years ago. And that's where I find my mind going. And I think that I would like to uh, channel myself in that direction to work on a film. Uh, it doesn't have to be a big feature. Uh, it wouldn't be at this stage of my life anyway. But a small independent film, I think that would be the icing, uh, the cherry on the icing on the cake of uh, the things I've done. That's amazing. And, and you know what? I wish you best of luck. And, and again, it just shows that uh, uh, the decisions we make as long as we, we have a clear end goal and what we're trying to, to achieve um, eventually get us there. So all I can say is that uh, I wish you uh, best of luck and let's uh, meet here in a year's time and, and see what, uh, how far you are with that. I want to thank you because we are at the end of our show. I hope you thank had a you. great time. Um, I, I certainly had and I'm looking forward to learning more about other amazing people like yourself in, uh, in my community in Toronto. So everyone out there, have a great week and I'll uh, talk to you again next Monday at the same time. Take care. Thank you so much, Rod. Thank you for having me on. My pleasure. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Because There's More. Join Laura Ellis again next Monday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, and 2 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to tune in because there's more.